You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Y'all ready for the Word tonight? Hallelujah. I am too. Let's pray and let's get into it. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you and praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness to us, Lord. We just are so grateful for all that you've done for us. Thank you for Jesus and the price that he's paid for us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have redeemed us. You've delivered us. You've healed us and you've set us free. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that we could gather together tonight. Jesus said that where two or three are gathered in your name, that you're right there in the midst. So, Lord, I thank you that even though we might be in different physical locations, I thank you that there is no time nor distance in the spirit. And we are joined together in the spirit. And Lord, I thank you that the Holy Ghost is present wherever they are. And we'll minister to them. He'll lead and guide us into all truth. And we believe for revelation and insight from your word tonight. And we thank you for it. We praise you for it. And Lord, we just believe to uh, be different when we get through tonight. And we thank you. We give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, let's get into it tonight. Let's continue on. Uh, this was intended to be one single lesson, but it's turned into, this is our third week on this, and we're talking about seven steps to prayer that brings results, and, uh, you know, we need to understand that God wants us to get results from our prayers. He wants our prayers to to work, and, and, you know, it's it's not like... um, uh, you know, playing the slot machines at Las Vegas, where we just are hoping and a praying something happens. No, there are things that we can learn from the word of God. And if we will put them into practice, then God has said he will answer our prayers every single time. And so uh, let's get into this. I'm going to review a little bit and talk about some things that we've talked about over the past couple of weeks. But here's step number one, and that is this, decide what you want or need from God and mm-hmm. find the scripture that definitely promises you these things. Find the scripture that promises you these things. So whatever you decide, whatever it is that you determine that you need or desire from the Lord, find out what the word says about that particular situation. Mm-hmm. Now, granted the word, uh, covers the every general area of our lives. And I would say pretty much the largest portion of whatever you might need to pray about, there is going to be an answer addressed by the word. Somebody says, well, you know, I need to know uh, about certain things in the will of God for my life. Well, the Bible tells us how to pray for that. The Colossians chapter one tells us that that we can pray that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So if you don't know what to do or exactly what the word is, it's specifically for your situation, meaning what direction your life needs to go, we still know how to pray so we can get results from heaven. And so God wants us to uh, be able to have a basis for our prayer, and that's found in the word of God. We won't turn there for tonight, but we looked at 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, where it says, if we, if we pray according to the will of God, God hears our prayers, and therefore, if he hears our prayers, we know that we have the petitions or the things that we have asked for from him. So one of the main reasons that we need to find out what the word says is so that we can know what the will of God is, and we can pray according to the will of God. Now, we looked a a little bit the first week in talking about uh, the importance of the Word and how faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We also talked about how uh, the difference between the Logos Word of God and the Rhema Word of God, and we studied how faith arises when the Word becomes revelation to us, when it becomes 
uh, illuminated to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so that's when, uh, you know, faith just doesn't come because you sit in a room where somebody is speaking the word per se. Faith comes when you hear, you understand, and light and revelation comes from that word. That's why, you know, uh, several people can sit in the same environment and hear somebody teach the word of God. And, uh, you know, somebody walk out and say, well, you know, I didn't get anything out of that message. And another person say, man, that the word really uh, resonated with me and God spoke to me through that. And so, you know, it's just all a, a matter of our heart attitude. And so we talked about how the importance of having the word is this. There is going to be a fight in your faith. Now, understand this. The devil has already been defeated, mm-hmm. but the fight comes in in our stand of faith, in mm-hmm. how we stand on the word of God. And, uh, you know, all of us are going to face things in our lives, adversity. Uh, you know, the Bible calls them trials and tribulations, things like Mm -hmm. that. We're all going to encounter those things, but you need to understand that when you pray and you're standing in faith and you're believing the word of God, that there is going to be a contention to try and get you off of what you believe. I can promise Mm -hmm. you this, and we looked at this in Mark chapter four, that Jesus said that the devil comes to try and take away the word that is sown in people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And depending on the condition of the soil of the heart that the seed of the word of God is sown in determines if the devil is able to do that. And mm-hmm. so that is why it's so important. And then it just takes us right into number two. And number two is this, meditate constantly on mm-hmm. what you found in the word. So meditate constantly on the promises upon which you based your prayer. So when you have your prayer, and and here's what I encourage you to do. Before you ever pray, find out what the Word says and take some time and write those scriptures down. Make notes of them. Get you a legal pad. Get you a notebook. Uh, I highly recommend getting a notebook, and I'll tell you why in just a second, but take some time and, and, you know, whether you want to type them up on the computer or handwrite them, Write them down so that you can have them and you can refer to them in your personal prayer book and uh, then spend some time thinking about and meditating on those scriptures. We're going to talk about this more in depth in just a little bit. Uh, You know, and of course, I'm assuming that it's not an emergency situation where you have to pray right this minute. But if it's something that, you know, you know that you're having to deal with and you know you need to pray about then what you can do is take your time with it, spend time with the word of God, and uh, then meditate on those things to get them down in your heart. Now, here's why I said uh, use a a notebook or or keep a written record of it is because of this, that when God answers your prayer, I want you to go into that prayer book, and I want you to write down the date and the time that he answers your prayer. In other words, when the manifestation of that prayer shows up and and do this first, go in there and write down uh, when you pray, you know, say I prayed on uh, June the 15th of 2022 about thus and so put the time down there if you want to. And then when the answer shows up, the manifestation of that answer shows up, write that down in there as well. Now, here's why. And this is why I like to keep a written record of these things is because, number one, it's good to go through it and kind of remind yourself of what God has done. Remind Mm -hmm. yourself of how he has answered your prayers. But here's the other reason, and that is this, that during that time between amen and when the answer shows up, uh, you can refer to those things and know that God has answered your prayers in the past and he will answer this prayer as well. And it helps bolster your faith. It helps you remind you, you know, the scripture talks about in Psalms about counting your blessings. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we need to make note of those things. You know, one thing that you'll uh, learn about the Jewish people, especially in the Old Testament, is that they were skilled at keeping records, 
keeping records of things that God did, things that God said, and and you and I need to do that. I know we have our written Bible, uh, but you need to keep some things for yourself as far as what you pray about. I'll give you an example, just a personal testimony. Uh, last October, October of 2021, uh, well, let me back up a little bit before that. Um, I have for all of, and y'all don't laugh at me, I'm just being very transparent here, but I have for all of my adult life had a twin bed. I have slept on a twin bed um, since I moved out and, you know, and uh, actually it's, it's the same bed. I got a different mattress, but it's the same bed that I've had for years and years and years. Okay. Well, I had a desire. I wanted to graduate up and get a big boy bed and, and get a, uh, queen bed. And so, um, somebody gave me, uh, at the end of 2020, a queen bed frame. And so, you know, I was very grateful for that. And, um, they had cleaned it out of their storage unit and, and, I you know, did some refinishing work on it and so forth and so on. And so I sat down and I prayed and I believed God for a queen box spring and mattress to go with that and linens and everything for, for the whole bed. And so I prayed that and I'll have to look in my journal, but it was, I believe it was in November of 2021. And as of June one of 2022, my queen bed is fully assembled with a mattress, brand new mattress box, brand new linens, and everything. So so what I did is, you know, where I had written that original prayer down in in November of last year, I went back in and wrote down that the full manifestation of that prayer showed up on June 1st. And that's when everything was delivered. And uh, the only thing I had to purchase out of the deal was I bought a uh, memory foam topper to go on top of the mattress. So I have little over a hundred dollars in the deal. Uh, so, but my point is this, that God showed up, he answered the prayer and I made note of when I prayed and I made note of when the answer showed up. And so that <laughs> from now on, I have a permanent record of God answering a prayer for me that I can refer back to. Now, somebody says, you know, that's not that big a deal. No, you're right. That's not a life um, or death situation, but I'll say this, it was important to me and there are things that you're going to pray about that are important to you. Now I want to say this to you, God wants to, uh, give you good things to enjoy in your life. God is not opposed to you having nice things. Mm-hmm. Here's what I would highly recommend that you do. And that is this, learn how to make it a faith project and pray about those things and Mm -hmm. believe God until they show up, until Mm -hmm. the answer shows up. Now, um, here's what you don't want to do. And I I hear people say this a lot, okay? Uh, And I'm going to use this as an extreme example. Well, you know, somebody had been praying for a a car. Okay. And I'm just you, the hypothetical here. Somebody had been praying for a car. And so they, um, you know, had been praying for that. And so the opportunity came, they go to the car dealership and they get a brand new car and, um, you know, they're all happy and they're testifying about that, which that's great. But here's, here's, there's, there's a big glitch to it. It comes with a six year loan. Okay. And car payments every month. Well, did God give you the favor to get that? Well, it could be. I'm not saying that he didn't. But here's what I want to challenge us all in. Could God have given you a car debt-free? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say this. Depending on where your faith is. You know, Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. So Mm -hmm. let me say this to you. Okay. If you don't have 2022 Mercedes faith, you're not going to be able to pray and believe God for a 2022 brand new Mercedes. But 
you might have faith for a 2010 something or the other that you can believe God for or whatever the case might be. But here's what I want, want you to do. You know where your faith is. You know what your faith can handle, okay? Don't, don't overextend yourself faith-wise and you don't have faith for that thing and therefore it, it doesn't show up and you get discouraged. Take some baby steps and learn how to believe God. I remember when I was in Bible school, you know, and uh, 40 some odd years ago, they taught us, Brother Hagan would teach us. He said, you don't have million dollar faith. He'd tell all the students sitting there in, in, in Rhema at the time. He said, you don't have faith enough to believe for a million dollars, but you might have faith enough right now to believe for a brand new pair of socks. He said, start there. Start with that brand new pair of socks, but pray, ask God to provide socks for you. And when he does, build your faith from that. See, faith grows by two things. Number one, you might want to write this down. All right. Number one, faith grows by the word of God. And number two, faith grows by exercising it, just like your physical muscles do. Okay. So if you never use your faith, your faith really isn't going to grow. But you have to know where your faith is in and be realistic with that and begin to work your faith in what God can do and trust him and start out with baby steps and believe God. And it will increase over time because here's what you need to understand. God's going to want you to believe God for some big things. He's going to want you to stretch your faith and trust him for some big things, but you're not going to be able to start out that way. You're going to have to start out where you are and pray, believe the word of God. And when the answer shows up, then stretch it a little bit further. Okay. So, you know, with me as in, in what we've gone through as a church in our past, you know, when I got out of Bible school, and uh, moved back to Charlotte in 1983. I didn't have the kind of faith that I that I needed for the needs that that our church was going to face in 2006, seven, eight, nine, ten, so forth and so on. I didn't have that kind of faith. But what God did over the next 25 years or so is to help me develop my faith to where I could get to the point where I could believe God and and then see those needs met. All right. So all of that's free. That won't cost you anything. Uh, but I wanted to share that testimony with you so that you understand the importance of keeping a record of those things so you can look back. See, you know, let's talk about the church for a second. You know, me as, as in pastoring the church, I have plenty of things that I can go back and look at history wise and see time and time again where God has shown up and worked miraculously for our church, okay? So what that day may not mean anything to the normal person in the congregation, but it means everything to me because I can go back and I can look and see, look and see what God has done, and it, and it helps me. It bolsters my faith, and it mm -hmm. encourages me. So you need to start building a history, a record, of what God has done for you. So I highly recommend that. Now, we said number two was meditate constantly on the promises upon which you base the answer to your prayer. You need to be thinking about those things. You need to keep your attention on them. You know, we talked about in March 4, how you need to let the word of God get rooted in your heart. You need to get the word rooted down in your heart. And the way that you do that is by spending time thinking about it, meditating on it, going over it, to allow the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to you out of that word. You know, the Holy Spirit, he can illuminate things from the word of God quickly, uh, like in a church service. Uh, you know, he can do that. He can bring light and revelation to you in that situation. But there are going to be some things that you're going to have to dig for. Uh, you know, the book of Proverbs talks about wisdom as a treasure, it, meaning this, that you're, you'll be able to find some nuggets on top of the ground, 
but you're not going to hit the jackpot until you start to dig deep and get <laughs> down into the ground where those things are buried. Now they're not hidden from you. They're hidden for you, but there takes some effort. And I think the reason God does that is because uh, he wants to see the effort that we're willing to put forth to dig into the word of God, to find the truth and revelation that he wants us to have. Mm -hmm. And so you, it, it's going to take some effort on your behalf. It's going to take some digging on your behalf. You know, if you think about uh, during the gold rush back in the mid 1800s, you know, there were some people and even around here in Charlotte, this happened. Uh, you can go over to the Mint Museum today and uh, they have a replica. There was two little boys that were out playing. And of course, this is in the early 1800s. And they found a uh, oh, grapefruit sized nugget of gold on top of the dirt. All right. So, of course, it was worth a whole lot of money, and that's why when they discovered gold here, they the, the federal government opened a mint here to start minting coins and things like that. But uh, what where they really began to dig and find gold is when they dug deep, is when they, you know, you're not going to find a whole lot just panning in the river. You're not going to find a whole lot just walking along the surface. It's when you dig deep. Okay. So you're going to have to do that with the word of God. You're going to have to spend time with it. Now here's number three. When you pray, pray and believe that you receive the answer. And, uh, I gave you the illustration last week about, uh, you know, your boss promising you a huge bonus and a huge increase raise in your salary and so forth and so on. And how before you ever see the manifestation of that, you have received that and you already imagine yourself with it and have already planned what you're going to do with it. So that's how we need to handle our prayer life. When we pray the prayer of faith, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, when you pray, believe that you receive the answer when you pray and you shall have it. So receiving the answer, it means that your part is to believe God that you have received the answer. His part is to do the doing to make sure that the answer shows up. All right. So we need to uh, stay in our lane, so to speak, and learn how to believe God to receive just like you would that pay raise before you ever see a dime of it on your pay stub. Okay. But you, you trust your boss you trust the company that you work for, and you know that that raise is coming. Well, the same thing is true with, with God. You pray it, and at the moment that you pray, you count it as yours. You count it as done. And uh, then from that moment forward, what we do, our job is just to praise and thank God that we have the answer, that it's already ours. Now, here's what I want to do. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to talk to you for just a moment along these lines about something. And, and uh, if you've ever read any books by E.W. Kenyon, he has a book called Two Kinds of Knowledge. And uh, it's a great, great book. Uh, you, I believe you can get it on Amazon, uh, you know, for Kindle and things like that. And, and I think you can still actually purchase the paper version. But um, there are two kinds of of truth that you and I are going to deal with. Two kinds of truth that you and I are going to deal with. Here's number one, and, and I'm going to use Brother Kenyon's terms, but number one is this, sense, meaning S-E-N-S-E, -S -E, sense, knowledge, truth. Okay. Um, let me use an example. Anybody go outside today? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Anybody experience that it's hot today? Okay. Yeah. All right. That is sense, knowledge, truth telling you it's hot. I mean, that is a truth. It is hot outside. Okay. It's going to be hot tomorrow. All right. But that is sense, knowledge, truth, things that you can perceive with your five physical senses. Okay. Um, that's sense, knowledge, truth. The other kind of truth 
is, is the truth that comes from revelation of God's word. So truth number two is revelation truth from God's word. So you have sense knowledge truth, and you have revelation truth that comes from the word of God. Now, sense knowledge truth is absolutely wonderful. It, there's nothing wrong with it. It's great, and it, it, it God created us with our five physical senses in order to perceive those things, okay? However, it, they are okay until they contradict. In other words, until sense knowledge truth contradicts with God's revelation truth from his word, you can go with sense knowledge truth, okay? But at some point, revelation truth from God's word and sense knowledge truth are going to conflict with one another. They're going to go in different directions, okay? So when they do contradict, you have to get to the place that you automatically default to the revelation truth from God's word, okay? Let me use an example. Uh, you know, we rely on our physical senses. You know, I, I, as a little boy, I was taught, uh, you know, as you all were, to, you know, look both ways before I cross the street, never just bolt out into the street, always look to see if a car was coming. Why? Because I needed to rely on my five physical senses to tell me that there was a car coming and therefore it, it posed a danger to my life. And so, you know, that is fine. I was taught to rely on my five physical senses. And in that case, it's absolutely wonderful. But let me give you an example where that can contradict with God's word. Let's say I'm dealing with sickness in my body and my body feels bad. In other words, I'm dealing with, you know, symptoms, whether it's, you know, pain or, you know, some type of illness in my body. Well, my, my five physical senses tell me that that exists and that it tells me that it's a truth. But as a born again believer, we have a higher truth that tells us something different. Okay. Now, what does the word say? What does God's truth say? Well, God's truth says that Jesus took my sicknesses, bore my diseases, and with his stripes, I am healed. All right? Mm -hmm. So that is God's truth. Now, here's where I write this down, if you would, please. God's truth can change sense, knowledge, facts. Let me say that again. God's revelation truth from his word can change sense knowledge facts. See, it might be a fact and a reality that I have sickness in my body, but the truth of God's word can change those facts because there is power in God's word that when it's mixed with faith, it releases that power and can change natural circumstances, okay? Now, so we don't pretend, like, this is where people get off. I don't pretend or deny that I have sickness in my body. In other words, if somebody asks me, how are you doing today? And, you know, I tell them, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, I, I'm not sick. Well, that's a lie, okay? And that will not change those facts. But if I tell them this, uh, don't, be dis don't be disturbed by what you see going on in my physical body. You see, Jesus took my sicknesses, carried my diseases, and with his stripes, I am healed. Now, see, I haven't denied the facts. What I've done is I've used the word of God by faith to change those facts. Now, here's what's what you need to understand about the Word of God, okay? Now, listen to me carefully. The Word of God has the ability to change natural circumstances. Please get that. The Word of God has the ability 
to change natural circumstances. When you mix it with faith, that releases the power that is in that word to go to work to change those natural circumstances. Let me give you an example. Okay, let's think back. Use your noggin for just a moment. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter one. Don't turn there, but just you know it. Genesis chapter one talks about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and, and so forth and so on. And it says that it was dark. Okay. So what did God do when he wanted to change the natural circumstances? Did he, did he get up and talk about how dark it was? Did he get up and say, man, I, I, I didn't really see this coming. I, boy, I never imagined that my world, my earth that I created could be this dark. No, he didn't do that. Here's what he did is he spoke the word, his own word, and it changed the natural circumstances. See, when God stepped out and he said, let there be light, light had no choice but to come into existence. And darkness had to be overcome by that light. In other words, God's word spoken changed the natural circumstances. Okay? We see this all throughout the word of God. We see it in Jesus' ministry. You know, when he when Jesus showed up at the tomb of Lazarus, you know, and, and everybody was grieving and everybody was sad and and even uh, you know, his sister, Lazarus's sister, came to him and said, Lord, you know he stinks. I mean, he's been in the ground for for uh four days now. Did Jesus say, Oh man, wow, you didn't tell me you had already buried him? See, that that just changes everything right there. I didn't know he was already in the ground, that you had already buried him. He was in the tomb. And, and you know, well, in that case, there's not much I can do about that situation. No, Jesus spoke his word, and Lazarus, who in the natural, the natural five natural senses told you he was dead. But when Jesus spoke the word, those natural circumstances had no choice but to change and life come back in that dead body. Okay? Somebody says, well, that's God, and that's Jesus. Well, that's true. But here's what you need to understand. This word in the heart of a believer will have the same results as Jesus speaking it and God speaking it because God's word is God's word. So when God's word gets down in your heart and it comes out of your mouth by faith, whatever the natural circumstances are, have no choice but to come in line with the word of God. Now, somebody says, well, how long does that take? Listen, as long as it takes, okay? It may not happen instantaneously. It may not happen by, by in the morning, but I promise you this, it will happen. It will change. So when you have the word of God down in your heart and you speak it by, you speak the word by faith, those natural circumstances have no choice but to change. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because you're going to deal with when you have prayed over something and you have released your faith, you're going to deal with those natural circumstances being in front of you until they change. And you're going to have to make the decision that you're not going to be moved by what you see, feel, hear, taste, or touch in the natural. You're only moved by what the Word of God says. So yeah, I might be experiencing symptoms in my physical body. So I speak the word of God and I say, by his stripes, I'm healed. Well, listen, I might not feel better instantaneously, but my part is to believe that the word has gone to work and it is working on that situation. Now, I said this to you at, at church sun, uh, a couple Sundays ago. You know, in uh, Mark eleven twenty three, we talked about Mark eleven twenty four. But in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said this: Whoever says to the mountain, "Be removed and be thou cast into the sea," and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. And if you'll remember, in that whole situation where Jesus spoke to the fig tree, 
he spoke, they went by, and 24 hours later is when the disciples saw the change, when Peter saw the change. And you remember what Peter said? He said, Master, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered from the root. Now, here's what you need to get. Please, please get this. When you start speaking the word of God over your situation, it is going to begin to change at the root, not the fruit. Okay. Amen. All right. Let me say that again. When you release your faith and you begin to speak the word of God, you need to understand that it goes to work at the root of the situation and not the fruit of the situation. So that's why you can't be moved by what you see with your physical eye, but you have to believe that the word is working in that situation to change it. Now, because it's going to work before you ever see anything externally, before you ever see anything with your natural eye. Let me show you this. Go, you're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verses 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. The Apostle Paul is writing, and he says this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while, now this is the key right here, verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What does he mean by that? The things that we look at in this natural world are temporary. In other words, they're subject to change. The things which are not seen, meaning the word of God, faith in the word of God down in your heart, are eternal spiritual things. They do not change. The word of God does not bend or flex for anybody or anything. And so the key is going to be, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the things which are temporary, or are you looking at that which lasts forever? which is the word of God. Okay. So you're going to have to put your focus on the things which are eternal. Second Corinthians 4.18 in the New International says this. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. So I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but what, what he's saying is this, because somebody says, well, how can I see something I can't see? Well, you need to understand you got two sets of eyes. You got these eyeballs on the front of your head in your face, and then you have eyes in your heart, okay? So you need to understand that even though you might see something with these eyeballs in your face, you can see something different with the eyes of your heart. What are you looking at with the eyes of your heart? Are you looking at, are these two looking at the same thing? In other words, am I looking at the situation that is subject to change, that is temporary, or am I looking at it with the eyes of my heart and know that what I see in my heart based on the word of God is eternal and will never change? See, listen, sickness and disease will come and go. Healing is forever. Healing is eternal. And so when we focus the eyes of our heart on healing, then, then what is seen with these eyes has to change. When we focus our eyes on the word, focus the eyes of our heart on the word where it says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, I have to look at my need with the eyes of my heart, not with the eyes that I, that I have here, on the front of my face. Okay. So that's what you're looking at. Now here's the, here's another part to this. Go over with me to Romans chapter four, please. Am I helping anybody tonight? Yes, yes sir. I hope so. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter four, because I am freewheeling and flowing by the Holy ghost here. 
I mean, I have notes, but I'm just saying I never imagined that this would take this long to cover this, but it's what the Holy Ghost wants us to see. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I want to show you something about God that you need to start doing if you're not doing it already, and you can act just like him. Romans 4, 17 says this, uh, talking about God's response to Abraham's faith. He says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed God, look at this, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, I want you to pay close attention. Remember, I always tell you, pay attention to the details. So let's look carefully there at what the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul said. This is the way God handles it. He says that God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Notice this. Now I have to say this. Notice it does not say God calls those things which exist as though they do not. Now, there's a difference. See, let me, let me give you an example, as, as I did a moment ago. Let's say you're dealing in, with a headache, that you have a headache in your body. And somebody comes up to you and says, you know, you look like you got a headache. Well, if you walk around thinking you're in faith and you say stuff like, no, I don't have a headache. I don't have a headache. I don't have a headache. That's not faith. That's a lie. Because in the natural, you do have a headache. All right. So what you're trying to do is, is you call it faith, but you're denying that the circumstances exist, and that is not faith. Here's what faith does. Now, go back and let's read that phrase again, that God uh, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. The old King James said this, that God calls those things which be not as though they were. Now, here's what faith does. So yeah, in the natural, I might have a headache, but faith doesn't deny that the headache exists faith says this, I may be experiencing pain in my body right now, but the word says that by his stripes, I am healed and I am healed. Now, see, I'm not denying the circumstances and calling that faith. I'm releasing my faith by speaking the word of God and the word of God will change the natural circumstance. There's a difference, okay? Because there's a lot of people who think they're in faith by denying that the circumstance exists. You're not doing that. Like if you got a bunch of bills and you know you're you're struggling financially, well, uh, faith does not say I don't have any bills. I don't have any bills. I don't have any bills. That's not faith. That's denying the circumstances and it's foolishness. Faith says this. I might have those bills, but thank God, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My needs are met according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That is faith. All right. Do you see the difference? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Now, number four, all that on number three. Here we go. Number four, never, and this one I need to explain a little bit, but, but, let me say it, and then I'll define it for you. Never permit a mental picture of failure to enter your thinking. Never permit a mental picture of failure to enter your thinking. Never permit a mental picture a failure to enter your thinking. Now, let me give you quickly a little outline of how your belief system works. This is how God created your belief system to work. And this applies to the word of God. It applies to how you see yourself. It applies to just how your belief system God designed for it to function. Okay, here's how it goes. Your belief is built around, and it starts with a thought, okay? You think about that thought, 
you meditate on that thought. And, and then once you meditate on it long enough, you begin to talk about it. Once you talk about it, it gets down into your heart. Once it gets down into your heart, then when you talk about it again, your belief is behind that, and you have given that thing permission to come to pass in your life. So what you think about is what you believe. What you believe is what you say, and what you believe and say is what you have. All right, let me say that again. What you think about will eventually become what you believe. What you believe is what you say, what you talk about. And what you believe and what you talk about is eventually what you will have. So can I say this to you? It's a, it's a hard truth, but it's a truth nonetheless, and that is this. When we look at the totality of our lives in this moment, our lives are a result of what we have believed, well, what we have thought, excuse me, what we have believed and what we have spoken in the past. Okay, let me say that again. Your life is a result of what you have thought, what you have believed, and what you have spoken in your past. Okay, so if you want to change whatever about your life, then we're going to have to back this thing all the way up to what are you thinking about? What is your thought process? So your thought becomes a belief, your belief becomes your words, and what you believe and what you say is what you have. The scripture teaches that clearly, okay? So that being said, when I say don't ever permit a mental picture of failure to enter your thinking. Now, let me say this. You're going to have opportunities to think failure. I promise you that. Thoughts mm -hmm. like, you know, it's not going to work this time. Or thoughts like, oh, boy, that's that, that need is too big. Or that doctor's report is too serious. Or whatever you want to say. You're going to have opportunity to think those things. It's called doubt. We've talked about that in the past, but what you need to understand is if you won't allow that thought of doubt to stay in your thinking, it will never become a part of your belief system. Okay. Now, write this down, please. When you're praying about something and you have God's word on that situation, write this down. Failure is not an option. Defeat is not an option. Failure and defeat are not options at this point. And you got to make up your mind. I'm in it to win it. So whatever I need to do, whatever I need to adjust, whatever I need to do differently so that I eliminate failure and defeat out of this equation, I'm willing to do it. So what that might mean is you're going to have to change your thinking a little bit. Now, I was challenged today. I was listening to a message and, um, you know, not a huge thing, but just a little adjustment in my thinking that I needed to make sure I was keeping my attention focused on. And that is this. When you have a need in your life as a believer, when you are facing a need, do not stay need-minded, become supply-minded. What do I mean by that? Focus on God's supply, not your need. Because the temptation is going to be to focus on the need. Oh, man, I need this. I need, need, need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. Well, you might need that. It might be a legitimate need. I'm not demeaning that at all. But what we need to do is focus our attention on the supply and the supplier. Okay? How big is God's supply? It's unending. Mm -hmm. And listen, if he's told you 
that you need whatever it is in your life. If you need this, you know, whether no matter what it might be, if you need that per God's instructions or per the plan of God for your life, I can promise you the supply is already there. So what you've got to do is you got to get supply-minded, not need-minded. And so when I heard that today, I thought, yeah, thank you, Holy Ghost. I, I received that and, and just needed to do a quick little inventory in my thinking to see, okay, of all the needs that, that I have and that we have as a church, am I need-minded or am I supply-minded? Am I supplier-minded? And, and I just had to make a quick little check and, and just make sure, okay, I'm focusing on my source of supply, and that is the Lord, and I'm not totally focused on the need. I'm aware of the need, but I'm not focused and fixated on the need, because once you get fixated and focused on the need, you've taken your eyes off the supplier, and the supply, and the room, and the opportunity is there for you to begin to... Uh, grow the need. In other words, the need will start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Although it hasn't changed, it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger to, well, finally, you've convinced yourself it's bigger than God. Okay. All right. So we can't do that. So what you got to do is you've got to uproot every thought, every image, every feeling contrary to what you have prayed for and believe that you've received the answer. So somebody tell me, and, and you might have to unmute yourself for a second, but somebody tell me, how do you uproot a thought, an image, a, an impression, a feeling, something that failure is yours and the answer is not yours? How do you deal with that? With the word of God. With the word of God. Take it a step mm -hmm. further. What do you do with the word? And meditate on it. And? Think about it. And? Speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Speak it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So important. All right. Because that you, all right, write this down, please. All right. You cannot stop a thought with a thought. You have to stop a thought with words. Okay. You have to say something. You remember I made the comment to you, I think it was on Wednesday night Bible study. You, you remember how you read through the Gospels and it said Jesus answering them or he would answer stuff. You remember mm -hmm. the scripture says when he addressed the uh, fig tree, the, Jesus walked up to it, saw that there was no fruit on it. And it says answering it, he said, no man shall eat fruit of you hereafter. You're going to have to learn how to answer some stuff. When those thoughts cross your mind, that it's not going to happen this time, that this is too great for God, this sickness is too bad, this need is too huge, you're going to have to open your mouth and answer it. Now, I'll say this to you, okay? It's going to take more than one time. Amen. All right. So just, just address that from the get-go, again, because you're in it to win it. If I have to say it a thousand times, I'm going to say it a thousand times. I'm going to say what the Word says a thousand times. I mean, even Jesus, think about this. When During the temptation, when the devil came at him, how many temptations were there? Do you remember? Three. How many times did Jesus have to open his mouth and answer the temptation? Every time, every time that it came across, whether it was a verbal thing, I don't, you know, I would assume that it was audible, but every time that thing was presented to him, that temptation was presented to him, Jesus didn't go, well, I just answered that a minute ago. No, that was a minute ago. That was that temptation. No, he addressed each one as though he had not spoken yet to any of them. In other words, you're going to have to deal with it more than once. Somebody said, well, you know, Pastor, I, I, I spoke the word five times. I just don't understand why it's not working. Okay. Keep speaking it. Keep saying it. Keep speaking it. Keep 
saying it. And when that thought pops into your mind, speak the word of God, speak the word of God. Now, here's what I do know about the human mind. And that is this sooner or later, your mind is going to shut up to hear what your mouth is saying. Mm-hmm. You want me to prove it to you? A little trick. We've done this before, but I can prove it to you real quick. I want all of you right now out loud or, or in your mind, rather, excuse me, in your mind, start counting from one to a hundred. Now stop counting and tell me your name. <laughs> Del Soray. Okay. Could you continue counting in your mind and stop and speak the words? No. No. You had to stop and engage your mouth and your mind paused momentarily while you spoke what you spoke. Well, that's the way God's word is. Your mind will get still while the word is coming out. Now, see, here's here's the thing. You're going to have to out-persist the thought. Particularly, and I'll say this to you, and we'll begin to wrap this up. Particularly if this is something that you have dealt with all your life. Okay? Listen, I have dealt with worry all my life. Nobody's fault. Just it's just the way it is. Okay? And so I built some habits around dealing with that worry. And so what I've had to learn how to do with the word of God is change that habit. And, and it's, and it takes work. It takes effort. You know, it's not something you do once or twice. And then it's like, well, that's over. I've done dealt with that. No, it's something you have to work on and it's a process. Now, do I deal with worry now to the degree that I dealt with 30 years ago? No. Does it still come up occasionally? Yes. Okay. Because I think all of us are tempted with that. But here's the thing that I want you to see is that if it's something that you have built into your mental picture, your mental image, and you're going to have to change that. You're going to have to begin to see some things differently. And so the way that you're going to do that is by what you keep in front of you and what you put in your mouth. So get the image of God's word down on the inside of you. If you have a ton of needs and you're believing God for needs to be met, begin to see yourself as those needs are met. See your life being lived out as though those needs are met. Begin to imagine your life. I'm going to challenge you. Imagine your life as though you don't have any needs. What would you do differently? How would your life look? Somebody says, I can't do that, Pastor. Yes, you can. God created you with that ability. It's called imagination, and we're going to talk about that more next week. But God created you with the ability to be able to imagine your life being lived out according to his word. If you're dealing with sickness and disease, see yourself as healed. See, Just imagine what you would do if you weren't encumbered with sickness and disease. If you didn't have any pain in your body, how would you live your life? Okay, so that is where we have to get to in bringing down those mental pictures uh, of failure and defeat. Okay, and listen, I, I would say this, all of us deal with that in some degree or another. Now, here's the good news. You don't have to deal with it in your own strength and your own ability. The Holy Ghost will help you. He will empower you. The word of God will empower you. So don't think you've got this uphill struggle and battle that you've got to deal with yourself. No, you are not without help. You have a helper who lives down on the inside of you. You have the written word of God that you can feed upon, that you can keep it in front of you, and God will help you do that. Okay, Uh, let me say this to you. Last thing I'll say, and then I'm done. I know I've said that, but I'm allowed five closings. Okay, let me say this to you. God would never ask you to do something that he does not give you the ability to do. God will never ask you or require something of you that he doesn't give you the ability to do. So if he tells you to renew your mind and change your thinking, 
then he gives you the ability to do that. Okay. So, you know, don't throw your hands up in the air and say, I can't do that. No, <laughs> go back to what we're talking about. I can do that because I have help on the inside of me. I have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of me, and he's my helper. Jesus said he would help me. All right? Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.